Hello, hello, hello. I am Pastor Richard Wesley Johnson. And I'm Dr. Corey Little Edwards. And this is the Elusive Dream Podcast. It sure is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we are on episode seven, Dr. Corey. Wow, episode seven. Can you believe it? Yes, this has been a journey, a it, good one. A good journey. Amen. Uh, and this episode is is sure to be uh, inspiring, encouraging, yeah. and challenging, you know, for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. It's called The Strength to Love. Yes, and we are naming it that because we're really drawing on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s compilation of sermons in the book mm. Strength to Love. Mm-hmm. Really great uh, piece that we would recommend people look, look into. Yeah, I, I would recommend everybody look into that, purchase it. It is uh, personally my go-to resource whenever... I am feeling the weight of any kind of racial injustice, whether it's a national event or even something more closely to home and in the church. Uh, The Strength to Love is my go-to resource. Yeah, I really appreciate it, too, because it really breaks down the theology of what we've been talking about, Mm. right? I mean, it's so um, profound in many ways and encouraging and helps me, Pastor Rich, also stay the course Mm. and maintain our focus on Christ and on what would God say, what would God do about Mm. these current circumstances. Yes. And so we are looking forward to getting into that resource with our listeners today. But before we get there, we want to remind you of the bonus episode that was released just before this one, the full length interview with Dr. Corey Little Edwards and guest Reverend Dr. David Emmanuel Goatley on the value of the black church. And that full length interview is there for our listeners. And I Highly recommend that people take advantage of listening to that. There is so much there Mm -hmm. that we can glean uh, from the voice of Dr. Goatley and how he begins to expand upon um, the experience of the black church and the value of the black church. So a a little bit of teaser here for our listeners. Um, We're going to have some really exciting news to share on our last episode um, after this one. So make sure you tune in to that uh, because we we got some really exciting things to share with you. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to we're not going to drop that. Not right now. now. Not right now. Yes. Um, And I also want to recap a little bit. Episode six, Mm -hmm. the episode called. The religion, religion of, of whiteness. whiteness. Wee. Yes. Dr. Michael Emerson, he ain't hold back, did he? No, no, he did not. He did not hold back. He he discussed what's going on with our white siblings. Yes, yes. And in fact, perhaps given the research that he and his colleagues have done, the extensive research, that in many ways, perhaps people that we might think of as our siblings might not be. Yes. Right? Because and that's the sad part mm-hmm. um, about this. That's the thing that we may potentially have to grieve um, because, as he suggested, uh, the research is suggesting is that that religion that many white Christians are practicing is not the gospel. It's that's not right. the good news of Christ, that in fact, it is the religion of whiteness. And it's what's keeping us divided. Yeah. When we're not seeing these issues of racial injustice the same way, and particularly when we're not seeing it the way the scriptures see them. Yes. And so there is much to grieve over and lament, but we also have some hope in that a true gospel is being embraced. Amen. 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 And the gospel is to be the good news. 
That's right. To live it, yeah. to be it, uh, to practice it, to yeah. remind one another of it. And yeah. such a great lead in to this episode this week on the strength to love. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, one of the issues that we are um, really exploring, you know, throughout this uh, this podcast is sort of how do leaders of color uh, address uh, these issues um, of race and division and uh, racial inequality in the church. Mm. And you have met Pastor Brian LaRich yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. has been one of these people that's really had an important voice in the multiracial church world for decades now. I know he has been a real influence on you, right, Pastor Yes, Rich? yes. Pastor Brian LaRitz, he is the president and founder of the Kainos Movement. Uh, which is an organization committed to seeing multi-ethnic churches become a new normal in our world. And he's also the the co-founder of Fellowship Memphis Church, which is uh, an intentionally multi-racial, multi-ethnic congregation. Yeah, yeah. And as a pastor of color, he has been very influential um, and inspiring for me. He's also written several books, uh, Right Color, Wrong Culture, as well as the book Insider, Outsider, yes, uh, which yes. he... He just lays it out there, his own personal journey of being a a person of color in a white evangelical world. Yeah, he was quite vulnerable in that book. And he actually is in our conversation that we had as well, which our listeners have an opportunity to hear some of uh, in this episode. So let's go to this interview. Uh, The first question here that we discuss uh, or rather you, Dr. Corey, <laughs> yes, yes. I wish I was in on that conversation. How come I didn't get on that interview? <laughs> huh? You leaving a brother out. <laughs> no, no. But in your interview, uh, you asked the question, what's been so difficult about the experience of leading the multiracial church as a person of color? Yes, yes. So let's hear what Pastor Brian Lamritz had to say about that. You know, if I approach it not uh, incident by incident, but more thematically, uh, I would say at the top of the list, incidents surrounding the issue of power. Mm. Um, I, I don't know of a more um, combustible, um, divisive kind of area than that. Mm. Um and I have always had a challenge uh, leading middle to upper middle class white men. Mm. Okay, well, you got to go into that. You know that. I need we need a a tangible example. So yeah, you know, I, I, I tell you, um, you know, one of the churches I led, the elder board dynamics were interesting. So even though our elder board was about 60% white, 40% black, and where I was at that time, and I'm intentionally keeping anonymous, when you talked about issues of multi-ethnicity, multiracial, those were the two major groups. So I don't say that to exclude any other group. That was the reality of our context. So even though our elder board was um, ethnically diverse, it was very much white led. And when you kind of do the autopsy on the situation, and I didn't even see it until these issues kind of came up to the surface, is the white men on the elder board, uh, and that was a very conservative context. So in that context, it was strictly uh, male, all male elder board. The white men uh, were 
were making significantly more money and in, and in significantly higher positions of power than the African-American people on the board. Now, if you're listening to this, you, you might go, big deal, that's not a difference. However, many of these African-American men on the board were working for nonprofit Christian organizations that had a fundraising model mm. in which they had to go to people like the white men on the board to raise money. Mm. Yeah. So it was an unequitable power structure. And I watched the African-Americans kind of acquiesce yeah. just instinctually mm. to our white brothers on the board. There, it was not... It was not kind of a healthy, contrarian, let, let's push each other, you know. It, it was at the end of the day, what the white individuals wanted, they ended up getting. Mm. And that was a major, major rub. Okay, Dr. Corey. Mm. Uh, when I listened to that interview, the first thing that jumped out to me was that there was no women on the board. Not a one. Not a one. And we've already learned on this podcast from Reverend Ines in episode three. Yeah. Yeah. About the intersection of gender and race. That's right. That That's sexism right. came before racism mm. in the Bible as articulated in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And that is an example of it right there. We're mm. talking about no women on the elder board. Mm -hmm. And it's then there's this power dynamic dynamic that's yes. at play automatically when you have no women on the board. That's right. So there's sexism there. Yeah. As well as racism. And that's might right. I even add classism? That's right. That's <laughs> right. I mean, you know, what's happening there, what I hear is that what's going on outside of the church impacts what happens in the church. Ooh. And that the church or the leaders of the church were not intentionally aware of that mm. and that decisions weren't being made in a way that that was taken into account right mm -hmm. because what we're dealing with is a society that where there's racial inequality extensive racial inequality and what that means is that there's extensive power inequality across racial lines right and so that was not adjusted for so to speak when it came to the elder board and how decisions were made and so Again, these macro level effects impact what happens at the micro level and churches do not exist in isolation. Meaning that they, they don't exist without any influence from the outside world. Yes, absolutely. You cannot have a church and, and pretend as if what's happening on the outside is not going to impact mm -hmm. what's happening on the in, inside of that church mm -hmm. because people who are people are part of the church. And the people who are part of the church live their lives, not just in the church. They live their lives in their neighborhoods and their families and their workplaces That's and right. so on. That's right. And so these dynamics of race and, and the power inequality as that is connected to race is going to impact what's going on in the church. And what, also, what that also means, what Pastor Brian was alluding to, is that there is this class differential in many ways, too, mm -hmm. because race can lead to class inequality, that these these dynamics are interconnected as well. There we go again with that intersection. Mm. And so we're seeing again that playing out in the church and that mattered and that impacted not only how the church worked, but it also impacted his leadership as a pastor of color of a multiracial church. 
So Pastor Brian Loritz has had quite, uh, you know, an extensive experience, both leading, speaking, influencing, and uh, an opportunity to reflect a lot on that. That's um, right. As an individual. That's right. Um, He's been doing this for decades. That's right. You know, and um, he's been out there and he's learned a lot and we and we can glean a lot from his experiences. And so um, during our conversation, I had an opportunity to ask him, what would you do differently? And so let's take a listen. Yeah, let's let's listen to that because I'm really curious about the answer to that. Yeah. I, I was uber aware to um, to the racism that is prevalent, I got to be careful of my words, among some ideological white conservatives. Mm. What we attracted were their um, pseudo-woke kids mm. <laughs> who, who now were on the liberal, liberal, and I put that in quotes, yeah. side of things. Yeah. But, you know, Malcolm X spoke very uh, clearly on that. I mean, he's on record saying, hey, um, my, my black siblings, I need you to watch out. The white liberal isn't necessarily your friend. Mm-hmm. And I would have been uh, far more vocal in calling out the temptation towards um, being being patriarchal. Mm. Um, you know, I, so my crowd w- was the younger white crowd who would go on the missions trip and would hold the black baby and would take a picture of that and post it on social media as Mm -hmm. if to say, I get it. And my parents and everyone else doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. But when you looked at their relationships, there were really no peer relationships or they would move into impoverished communities, all black communities where they wouldn't even deliver pizza there, but they wouldn't send their kids to the same schools. Mm. They would use mama and daddy's money to send their kids to the all white school, you know, down the street, round, round the corner. But living in the, in the hood gave me, gave me a, a, a level of street cred. All right, Dr. Corey. So Pastor Brian told us about some things he would do differently. Yeah. And who he was attracting in this uh, this church were these pseudo woke white kids. <laughs> uh, that oh, term pseudo woke, what does that make you think of? <laughs> that makes me ask the question, woke to what? Ooh. Woke to what? What did they awaken to? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And I think for me, when I heard that term, it's just not helpful. It, yeah. it, we've learned again that language needs to be specific. Yeah. And yeah. there's too much room in the term woke. I don't even use it. It's not even in my lexicon when we talk about multiracial church or racial justice. Yeah. Yeah. Beca- before that very reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what have you awakened to? Right. And it leaves a lot of room for interpretation and error. That's correct. Really. And that's really what I think uh, Pastor Brian was finding. Uh, in his church. Uh, so what's at stake here, Dr. Corey? I mean, what are we what are we really talking about among these white conservatives and liberal, you know, that's white right. Liberals? What are you talking about? I mean, I'm really glad that he brought up the point about the white liberals, because we often can think of people who are white liberal as being um, down with the cause and uh, having a clear understanding. And he's mm-hmm. he's implying and in fact, maybe more than that, he's saying that, in fact, that wasn't the case mm-hmm. uh, and that what these, as in, in his language, pseudo woke kids were doing was, in fact, paternalistic. Ooh. 
right? I mean, these, they were acting in very paternalistic ways. And all that means is that they assumed um, behaviors and attitudes that would uh, say that, well, we know how to help you, mm-hmm. right? We are going to help. We are going to be benevolent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to guide. We want to direct. We want to help. We want to support. But paternalism is a really tricky way to reinforce a hierarchy still because right. it's still a power imbalance. It's about how I am going to help you. It is not reinforcing mutuality. Right. It's not about how can we do this together? How can we build community? It's not about we are siblings in Christ on equal levels. It's about how can I come and help you? Mm-hmm. How can I come support you? I have things that you need, right? And so that's what's problematic about that kind of quote unquote wokeness. Um I mean, because I can, I, oh, I can see, you know, people learning a little bit, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're reading some books, they're, uh-huh. they're listening to podcasts. And so now they've got the answer. They've got the answer. And as soon as you've gotten to the point where you've said to yourself, oh, I know what to do, then you should pause. <laughs> because we'll go back to something <laughs> mm. that Dr. DeYoung was talking about, which is learning from the black church, mm-hmm. uh, the black church and other communities of color and other oppressed communities of who have been living out the gospel have an understanding that the white church and white Christians can glean from and learn from. Right. You know, know, can I just say this as a church planter? I mean, it's 10 years ago since I planted, you know, the church, but it it makes, it, it brings this challenge to these modern church planting efforts that are romanticizing the gospel, mm. particularly focusing on the city. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go and we're going to bring Jesus as if Jesus isn't already there. Oh, did you just say a word? I, I don't know, did I? <laughs> you just said a word right there as okay. if Jesus isn't already there. Yes. As if there aren't churches that are already doing the work already there that's right you know and and why would one think that jesus isn't there in the first place is Mm. it because you're looking for markers of wealth Mm -hmm. are you looking for markers of certain kinds of power that's right is it because it's um disadvantaged according to the standards of the world Mm -hmm. aren't we supposed to be measuring things according to the standards of christ and of the Bible. So you just spoke a word right there, Pastor Rich. Well, thank you, Dr. Corey. I guess it really was a word. It was a good one. Uh, you know, I've, it's just being in this church planting world as yeah. a person of color, leading a multiracial church, I do have a perspective on this. Yeah, yeah. And, in, and the churches that we endeavor to, to plant need to be honoring to people of color. Amen. And to recognize the works of Christ that are already there in the neighborhood. That's right. And to ask yourself, do I really need to plant this church or do I need to just join the work of Christ that's already there? That's right. That's right. And perhaps even submit to that work. And, well, you would have to. To join the work that's there, you, there, you would have to submit to it. Yeah. And yeah. to recognize it as something that is beautiful. It Amen. is a beautiful gospel that's already there. Amen. Amen. So that's that's just what I have to say on that. <laughs> um, because I think actually, actually pastors will find that there is a strength to love 
which mm. is what we're talking about, yeah. that's already present in the pastors, in the mothers of the churches, yes. in the children who are in Sunday school classes yeah. uh, and spending time in worship together. They will find a strength to love that is already there. Amen. 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 So uh, you and Pastor Brian continued your conversation mm-hmm. about what does it mean to love in this uh, multi-ethnic, multiracial world? That's right. That's right. Let's take a listen. Love is embrace. Um, it, it is it is acceptance versus approval, right? Mm-hmm. So so I'm accepting all of who you are, and in a church context, it means you are welcomed here, point blank. Yeah. But it also means being full of grace and truth, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's I, I got a friend of mine, Caleb Kaltenbach. When he talks about grace and truth, he'll always have a rubber band with him. And he says, the power of the rubber band is in its tension. Mm-hmm. And the power of grace and truth is in its tension. And then mm-hmm. he'll hold one end of the rubber band and, he, and it'll dangle. And he goes, if you're just grace or if you're just all truth, there's no, there's no real power in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, grace without truth is compromise. Truth without grace is condemnation. Yeah. I, I need both of those in tandem and intention with one another. Mm-hmm. And what love says is, I'm committed to you. I'm going to keep coming back to the table. And I'm committed to keeping an arm around you and a foot up in your hind parts when I need to. Yeah, Pastor Rich, I mean, Pastor Brian hit on a several really important points there. I mean, I really like that he talked about, it's about embracing one another. That is love, right? Yes. That full acceptance. Yes. The full acceptance of who you are made in the image of Christ Jesus. Absolutely. And we need to do that for ourselves. Accept who you are. Come on now. Made in the image of Christ Come Jesus. Come on now. Because only the beloved can remind others of their belovedness. There you go again, dropping the words. <laughs> I'm trying. It's the words, y'all. <laughs> and then that, that tension he talked about of grace and truth that mm. we have to be uh, gracious, right? We're called to that, but we also have to be truthful. And right. both of those intention are, um, are love. That's correct. You know? Both are loved. It's not, it's not just being gracious without telling the truth. And it's not just telling the truth, dropping truth bombs on people. <laughs> and, blowing spirit, people and blowing people up. And blowing people up. That's right. That's <laughs> without right. Without grace. Uh-huh. That's yes. right. That's right. Mm. And and this is the deal, Pastor Rich. There have been leaders of color who have been addressing these issues for decades. So true. Who have been walking in grace and truth in powerful ways. Wow. Right? I mean, we have here in our own country, uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who exemplified that walk mm-hmm. of grace and truth. And we have Bishop Desmond Tutu as well. Mm-hmm. And anyone in this present moment who is even in any way engaging in this kind of work is standing on the shoulders of great people like them who Say have been that. faithful. Say that. Um, throughout their lives. Yes. Uh, I felt even, power in that. Mm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, have in some ways sometimes given their life yeah right for mm. for this work um and you know what it makes me think about the role of black pastors right because 
a theology around the black pastoral role is in many ways about that balance of grace and truth, right? And speaking truth to power in that tension between being both a priest mm-hmm. and also being a prophet. Yes, we uh, we stand in the in the in the position and in the posture of presenting people before God and presenting God before people. Come on now. To tell people what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and to declare what God has already spoken. Amen. Amen. Because when we do that, we are loving, mm-hmm. loving, the, loving the people in the body of Christ by not only speaking to our siblings, but also speaking to um, the issues of the day as well, as well. And Dr. Martin Luther King, as we mentioned earlier in the, ep- in the episode, uh, has written extensively on these issues. And one book that we have particularly drawn from is Strength to Love. And there's mm-hmm. a sermon in particular that speaks to this called A Tough Mind and a Tender Heart. It's good. It's good. And he has several things that he really sort of lays out here. But I want to read something to you, Pastor Rich. He says this, let us consider first the need for a tough mind characterized by incisive thinking, Mm -hmm. realistic appraisal and decisive judgment. The tough mind is sharp and penetrating, breaking through the crust of legends and myths and sifting the true from the false. Yeah, that's a, that's incredible. It, it means that we need to be thoughtful. It means that we need to be careful that's and right. deliberate. That's right. And not careless in how we are responding to these issues. Oh, come on now. We've got to be deliberate and we have to be thinking, mm-hmm. right? We can't be um, what he calls soft-minded. Ooh. Yeah, because he talked about being tough-minded, but Dr. Martin Luther King also talked about the, t- the soft-minded person, and he says this, the soft-minded man or person always fears change, always fears change, and he also says this, soft-mindedness often invades religion. Mm, so it's invading the church yep. and our relationships, how we see God. So if you are fearing change on this, Uh-oh. his words, not mine, Come on. you are soft. You are soft. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yes. If you're focusing on that grace side or that forgiveness side or this surface reconciliation side, Mm -hmm. you're soft. You're being soft. You're being soft. Because you're not willing to stand in the truth and speak the truth. Mm -hmm. But this is the thing. Dr. King goes on and he says this, but we must not stop with the cultivation of a tough mind. The gospel also demands a tender heart. Yeah, we need to be tender hearted, which is not the same thing as soft minded. No. Tender hearted uh, means that we are not detached from the issues. We're connected to the issues. That's right. Tender hearted means that we're invested. We're not divested in the practice uh, of seeing this thing through. Mm-hmm. So Dr. King was holding uh, for us that in order to love, we need to be strong minded or tough minded. That's right. As well as tender hearted. Both are needed. In fact, he also says in that same sermon, it's pretty difficult to imagine a single person having simultaneously the characteristics of the serpent and the dove. Mm. But this is what Jesus expects. Come we must combine the toughness of the serpent and the softness of the dove, a tough mind and a tender heart. That's right. That's right. Mm. And if we are not doing that, if we are not cultivating a tender heart, 
or a soft heart, we aren't walking um, in the good news. We, aren't, we can't share good news. We're still news. people of God. Absolutely. We're still the children Amen. of God. This is what the beloved children do. Amen. If our hearts are hard, then we're not turned to the way that God is turning us. Yeah, yeah. But it begs the question of me, mm. how do we have hope maintaining this tough mind and tender heart? Yeah. <laughs> how do we hold on for a better future? Yeah, I mean, because... The reality is we can get really discouraged. Mm-hmm. Say that. You know, we can be really frustrated um, and it can feel at times like, Lord, when will justice ever come? Yeah. When will we stop seeing this strange fruit? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this, I'd love to draw upon uh, the words of Bishop Desmond Tutu, and um, this book is The Rainbow People of God, The Making of a Peaceful Revolution. And again, similarly with The Strength to Love, these are speeches that Bishop Desmond Tutu was giving in that uh, move against apartheid in Mm. South Africa. Mm. And I mean, just powerful, powerful words. And and this is what he says uh, in one chapter of this book. He says, the resurrection of Christ is our guarantee that right has triumphed and will triumph over wrong, that good has triumphed and will triumph over evil, is our guarantee that love has triumphed and will triumph over hate. So that just means we're on the winning side, okay? <laughs> Come on now, here we go. It means yes, we're on the winning. Love yes. will triumph over hate. Yes, hallelujah. Come on now. Uh, hope will triumph over despair. Yes. Hallelujah. We have this is what the good news of the gospel is. Mm. There will be no more crying. Mm. There will be no more shootings. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, Lord. Uh, Lord, there Jesus. will be no more division. Come on now. That Christ is writing these wrongs and actually he's writing them right now. Oh, come on. Yes. He is writing them right, right now. now. Right. Because mm-hmm. he is the author and the finisher of our faith, of our faith. Come on now. Yes. So we're being changed, uh, Dr. Corey, by the gospel. Yes. And that the gospel touches every area of our lives. Mm-hmm. It touches our work. It touches our relationships. And that uh, if we separate religion out from relationships, then we have created a false dichotomy that does not reflect who Jesus Christ is. That's right. That's right. And in fact, if we begin to try to separate religion from the other spheres of the of our society, then we also aren't living out uh, the gospel as well. And this is what I really appreciate uh, from Bishop Desmond Tutu as well. He goes on to say later another part of the book where he's talking about the prophets mm. and what we can learn from the prophets and the Bible. And he says this, the prophets are deeply involved in politics because politics is the sphere where God's people demonstrate their obedience or their disobedience. Mm -hmm. Our religion, he says, is concerned about the here and now because that determines to a large extent the hereafter. He goes on to say the whole of life is important. The political, the economic, and the social, none of these aspects is untouched by religion as we understand it. It is part of God's mission, Bishop Desmond Tutu says, and purpose for his world to bring about wholeness, justice, good health, righteousness, peace, harmony, and reconciliation. Preach, 
Preach, Bishop. Preach, Tutu. preach. He preaching. He just gave the mission right there, mm, mm, and mm. and actually fleshed out the mission that Come Jesus gave to the disciples. What does it mean to make disciples yes. of all nations? It means that you see them flourishing. Come on, now. in their health. That's right. Flourishing in their personality. Flourishing in their relationships yes. with one another. That's right. That's no right. one is is held back from becoming who they are fully created to be. In Christ Jesus. That's right. And it actually brings me back to what we talked about earlier with um, Gustavo Gutierrez, who talked mm. about if we're going to flourish, it's flour- that flourishing uh, has to take place in all spheres, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to break people up as if people are only one part. Right. As if they're not a part of the family, they're not working, they don't live in neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to we have to, as children of God, be working for human beings to flourish in all contexts. That is correct. And this work is long and it's heavy. Yeah. We we have hope. And we we don't we are as Christians, we don't grieve as ones who don't have hope. Come on now. But we do grieve. And so it's important to ask the question. How do we take care of ourselves yes. in this work yes. of justice? That is an absolutely critical thing that we must do. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Brian shared some of his thoughts on that, how he takes care of himself in this work. I never heard the phrase emotional health until late 30s, maybe. Mm. Um, The way I was brought up, that generation of preacher, read your Bible more. Yeah. Pray more. Uh, Give it to Jesus. You know, Um, that, that even, even today, when, when me and my father have conversations, he's 71. um, You know, this concept of emotional health, your very question, he has no category for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was just a different generation. But things like Sabbathing well, yeah. like I have to do that every week and trying to figure out when in church history that, that, you know, that had an asterisk next to it of all the Ten Commandments. That one kind of has a, well, it's not really a commandment. It's more of a tweet. This is, a, this is some, something I'm suggesting but but taking the Sabbath seriously, um, you know, hobbying well without making any apologies for it. Um, I play golf. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 what what I do, and I need to be out for about you know a four hour round of golf. And I just sometimes I'll just go by myself. I just need to get away from it. I need to unplug things of that nature. Uh, my, my wife and I, um, every Saturday when I'm in town, we're out doing lunch and then we're, we're, you know, going to our favorite coffee spot, dating my wife. Well, not talking about church. Mm-hmm. I need for me, I hate to say this. I, I need, I need monthly spades nights with my people at my house. Mm. I, 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 I need to, I need to be able to talk unfiltered. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. I don't, to, I don't have to translate anything. I don't. And I, I used to feel guilty about that. Mm. I used to feel guilty yeah. about that. Yeah. But, you know, I, if, if I don't do that, um, I will go crazy. The work of being a pastor is hard enough as it is. Yes. 
pastoring in a multi-ethnic context in the era of COVID and George Floyd, mm. if you don't proactively take care of yourself and give yourself permission to do these things, you won't last. Well, I so appreciated that word from Pastor Brian about how to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Pastors, y'all need to take care of yourselves. Period. And past, period. <laughs> and pastors of color, uh, please take care of yourselves. You need to really take you care of yourself. You need to yourself. really, yes. really take care of yourself. And and I can affirm the the journey of emotional health mm. as an indication of spiritual maturity. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Pete Scazzaro, for yes. that contribution to the body of Christ. Yes. Uh, because emotional health helps us to get underneath the surface to um, to address those wounds mm. uh, that are there. That's uh, right. Wounds that could lead to that hard heart, as Dr. King mm. alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So churches care well for your pastors. Yes. Please advocate for their self-care. Yes. Advocate for their self-care. Mm-hmm. Make sure they have time for sabbatical. Amen. Make sure they have time for themselves every week where they take a genuine Sabbath. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. That's and when you so see them important. out there, you know, posting pictures of having a good time, don't give them a hard time for having a good time. Come on now. <laughs> Come on <laughs> Celebrate now. them. Like, yes. 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 So, uh, Pastor Rich, Pastor Brian talked about, you know, how he takes care of himself and he's been doing this mm. uh, work in the area of the multiracial church for a good amount of time now. But you have as well. You know, you have been um, heading a multiracial church for over a decade. And how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, well, one of my uh, personal practices is journaling through the Psalms. Mm. Um, I have a, a book uh, where I, I read a Psalm and then I write through that psalm so I can write my own psalms as well Mm. in addition to that another fun thing I do is uh, listen to vinyl uh, okay. My Saturdays are listening to vinyl records. Oh, and I'll just okay. get down there and dance. I know you like to dance. You though. know that. And listening to some old music is just good for my soul. Who are you listening to? Oh, always Stevie Wonder. Okay. Come on. Oh, now. Hands yes. down. That's yes. my man. Uh, Roberta Flack. <laughs> okay. I like Roberta Flack. Yeah. And then on some instrumental, I like John Coltrane oh, and Miles yeah. Davis, oh, particularly that's... when they play together. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, Fire. that's good. Uh, how do you take care of yourself, Dr. Corey? Well, you know what? I really want to practice being around people where I can be my authentic self. Mm-hmm. And so it's being around people who are uh, authentically in themselves as well, where they can be themselves. That's really important to me to be an authentic space. Um, practicing reminding myself that I am the beloved daughter of the Most High God. Mm-hmm. And that God sees me and he embraces me and he loves me as as is, that he's created me um, and that he declares me as beautiful. Amen. And he declares me as his daughter, his child. And then I like to do things that bring joy to my soul. So one of those things you just mentioned is I love to dance. I love I, I love to get my groove on and be jamming mm-hmm. to some good music. And I really enjoy just having a good time with my friends and laughing. And um, I love really good food. So I like to go out to eat at great places and and enjoy that. So those are some of the things that I that I do to take care of myself, right, yes. to really focus on God's love for me and to do those things that bring joy to my soul. And, you know, let me just add one more. 
being discerning about who and what I say yes to, mm, uh, particularly good. with joy. I think yeah. something I found even over this last year is how to do this work of justice with joy. Yeah. Uh, the Psalms speak of the righteous king as being one who exercises justice mm. with joy. And I said, wow, Ooh. how does the king do that? Yeah. Because the king does it understanding he does it in the name of the one who created him. Ooh. And if we're doing justice work, we can do that with joy because that's what our creator was uh, created us to do. That's and right. it reflects who he is. So that's we get right. to discern who and what we say yes and no to that's right. because we get to do it with joy. In a word, that's boundaries. In, a, in one word. <laughs> Why you let me say all of that? Why didn't you just say <laughs> what you're trying to say is? <laughs> but that's that's really good, though, right? Being really um, owning uh, boundaries mm-hmm. and um, being okay with them. Well, I thank you, Dr. Corey, because I feel like you've opened up a boundary for me. Okay. You, you, you know, we we have uh, been together journeying through this podcast yeah. and even outside of this space to have coffee together, to laugh together. There we go. There yes. it is. There yeah, it is. You You're know. like, what boundary? <laughs> <laughs> what I do? <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Just chill and have a good time. And having a good time. Well, I hope all our listeners gained something from today's mm. episode on strength to love. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Corey, what are the final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with today? Well, building the beloved community is often met with struggle, mm-hmm. uh, particularly as we move toward doing so across lines of power, such as across racial lines. But we have to be rooted in the love of God and our belovedness as the children of God. We have to embrace our truest identity as people made in the image of God. And we have to walk in love, which means standing in both truth and grace, or as Dr. Martin Luther King said, having both a tough mind and a tender heart. Um, And it also means knowing God's character as a God of love as a God of mercy, as a God of peace, as a God of justice. So uh, those are my final thoughts. Uh, Pastor Rich, what do you want to leave our listening audience with? Uh, Christians of color need strength to love. Mm. That tender heart yeah, and that tough mind. Yeah. But so also do our white Christian siblings. Amen. And I think we need to recognize that this strength comes from the same place. Mm. It comes from the heart and mind mm. and the body of Christ Jesus Come who demonstrated now. what it is to be tenderhearted and tough-minded. Good. And that care for ourselves in this journey actually will help us to sustain the long road that is yes. ahead. Yes. So determine what those boundaries are that you articulated just a few minutes ago. And my white brothers and sisters, just understand this is not a quick fix. It's a long road. Mm. And we can do this together. Amen. 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 So in closing, I want to thank everybody again for subscribing. I want to thank you for sharing. Yes. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. And we really appreciate those shares, don't we, Dr. Corey? Yes, we do. We do. We do. We we appreciate those and we appreciate those great reviews as well. That's been really uh, affirming and supportive. It really is. And uh, you can continue this conversation with one another uh, and with us as well. You can find me on Twitter at Richard Wesley 
and on Instagram at Rich Johnson Online. Where can folks find you, Dr. Corey? Well, you can find me on Twitter and you can also find me on Instagram as well as Facebook. Just look for Corey, uh, spelled K-O-R-I-E, Little Edwards. Yeah, you blowing up on the social medias. <laughs> you are <laughs> you all over the place. It's so boom, boom. Oh. Well, what do you want our listeners to remember, uh, Pastor Rich? How do how should we leave them? The dream is elusive, but it is attainable. There we go. Hey. <laughs> I got it. I got it. There you it. go. I got oh, it. Oh. 